this study, that this sermon that we're going to do today is not going to be on one book. It's going to be on three. Today I get to do the introduction into the next three books of the of wisdom, you know, as you, this year we've done the embodiment of wisdom. We started with Job. We're going to finish with the Song of Solomon. Otherwise, known as if you if you look in your Bible and says Song of Songs, same book. So we're going to we're going to do three because we have already done Job. We have already done Psalms. We've been on Psalms it seemed like forever. I mean, it's been awesome. I am not complaining about that whatsoever. However, we've got a new book and it's smaller. It's good. It fits on my backpack better and and it's it's awesome so we are going to start reading proverbs tomorrow as a as a congregation as a body of believers we chose to read passages of scripture together and so and then every sunday either jeremy pastor jeremy or pastor mark oh that's me or pastor john or whoever one of the elders or would be preaching from what we read that week. And so if you haven't got a book yet, do we still have some at, at the information center? Grab one, steal one, do whatever you need to do, get one. If you don't, if you don't go, ah, I'll lose this, then don't get one. Get a bookmark and put it in your Bible. Or if you're like, well, I might lose the bookmark. Okay, get a PDF. You won't lose your phone. Well, maybe. Less likely. But on the PDF, then you'll be able to know what we're reading on a daily basis. Does that sound good? So jump on board and do that. And Guys, this has been such a blessing to do that. And so um, I'm excited about diving into these three books. And we were going to be going through that. And we'll be done with that toward the end of October. And then we're going to finish the year in a gospel. It will be the book of Matthew. So it's all very exciting. And so this is the time. So you know what? I commit to reading on a daily basis. Okay? All right. Um, Gosh, the whole idea of miracles is just resonating with me, Trin. It's it's awesome. And and I know why you do it. Because um, you've been a part of the men's prayer for a number of years now. And... We have seen so many miracles answered prayers in that thing. We meet every Thursday morning. We're now up to about 14, 16 guys that meet. And we, we pray for each other. We don't pray for ourselves. We pray for the next person that helps us to do that. And so we have seen some amazing things. Um, and so uh, it's, I, I think we prayed for you to get a new job. And then you got one, right? We... we that was one of the early ones on. And then we prayed for Dash. Look at now. This is a healthy, stinking kid. Oh, my gosh. Not, well, he is stinking sometimes. Isn't he? <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> um, uh, and so I want to encourage you guys, if you can get away and be here at 630 on Thursday, man, there's going to be room for everybody all the time. And me talking about that, if you have your calendars out, October 15th and 16th, we're going to do the Men's Summit, and we're going to be gathering together for a Friday night, Saturday morning, early afternoon, gathering together as men trying to help us grow together as men of God and the responsibility we have to do that. And so 
I know it's still early. Jeremy didn't do, give that as one of the announcements, but I'm telling you, I, I don't want you to come back and say, oh, you know, I already scheduled something going on the 15th, 16th. Oh, I told you in August, for crying out loud. So, anyway, that's something else to think about. Make sure that you put that in your calendar and try not to miss it, guys. Guys of all ages. All right? I mean, it'll be a blessing. All right. So this book is made up of three books that we find in the Bible. And this is all part of wisdom literature. The thing about these three books is that they're all written by one man. Solomon. They're all attributed to him. And the interesting part of these three books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. Many scholars, including myself in, from study... I think that the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, was written early on in, in Solomon's adulthood. When he married his first wife. Okay? I mean, he did marry 699 others, but we're not necessarily assured that God blessed those other 699. But the first one, because of the Song of Solomon, we know that God was pleased. Okay? And he wrote that early on. And then the book of Proverbs is, was probably guided to where um, the time that Solomon was really leading in wisdom and following the Lord. Probably during the building of the temple. When he was really, him and God, man, they were doing it. And then as we know, he, his heart was strayed by all the other uh, Marriages that he had to other women who had foreign gods, and he built temples for them. And when we get to Ecclesiastes, this was probably Solomon writing under a pseudonym, really, about the warnings of what he did in his life to the next generation. So, all these books were attributed to Solomon, and so we look at them. Now, listen, if you look at Old Testament literature in general, from Genesis to Malachi, there are three, I mean, there's all kinds of genres, as Jeremy told us a, a few weeks ago, but the three main types come from the priest giving the law, okay? The priestly line gives the, the law, the legal version of God saying, you should do this, you should not do this. Okay? Then there is the words of the Lord. When we have, thus saith the Lord, that is a prophet, someone who, who speaks. God told me to tell you this. That's the prophet. So we have the priest, we have the prophet. The wisdom literature is written a different way by a, say, um, a sage. A wise man, someone who's proven in their life to be wise or given wisdom from God. And he, he speaks counsel. And this is exactly what we see in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and to a certain extent, Song of Solomon. So the, these come from the words of the sage, the, the wise person. Either through age, either through being gifted that and we know specifically that Solomon was gifted wisdom from God because God said I'll give you anything Solomon what do you want and he said 
I need wisdom to rule these people. He didn't ask for money. But God said because of that, he made him very, very wealthy. But it was his wisdom that distinguished him as king. And the full or the greatest extent of Israel was during the reign of Solomon. Okay? So, let's get into... um, did, did you hear what I said about the priest, the prophet, and the sage? We, we have three different groups of people. But let me tell you something. Jesus was all of those things. So let's look. Before we get into wisdom literature, let's look at what Paul has to say about the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So all of this stuff that we look at is found in Jesus Christ. And that is why we still study the Old Testament. We're not just on the New Testament, we're also in the Old Testament because All of the words that were given by the priests, all of the words that were given by the prophets, all of the words that were given by the sages can all be wrapped up in one person, and that's Jesus Christ. Okay? So, in Proverbs, Proverbs was probably written for the most part during Solomon's reign. Okay? Which was um, during... During his reign after David. So, but it, they're in, in groupings that don't tend to be thematic. They bounce around a lot of times. Now, if you, if you look at the, the book of Proverbs in total, the first nine um, chapters, it's sort of Solomon talking to his son. And he's encouraging him to pursue wisdom. And that wisdom, it means wisdom from God. Okay? And and one of the key verses in Proverbs talks about the beginning of wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. Okay? So, wisdom apart from God has some benefit, but wisdom with God in relation to God is everlasting. Okay, so the first nine chapters, basically Solomon is telling his son Rehoboam, who later rejected it, about wisdom, about being one who will, you pursue her. It's it's something that you must go after, and that's the encouragement. And then verses 10, chapters 10 through 22 are a, a compilation of sayings of Solomon that he, he, he thinks you should know. That can help you in, in, in living your life in a wise way. And basically, even though they bounce back and forth from all kinds of things. You talk about uh, wisdom and folly. You know, the, the smart guy, the fool, the... The prosperous man, or the one who's diligent, or one who's a sluggard. They bounce around all the time, but they're based into three different...
different relationships that Solomon talks about. And the first one is relationship between man and his God. So a lot of, a lot of the Proverbs have to deal with your relationship with God and yourself. The second relationship that many of the Proverbs are found in are relationship between man and his neighbor. The people around him. How you treat someone else. That's another one. And the third one is man with himself. How he chooses to be. Whether being someone of integrity or someone who lies. This is something that you have to work on with yourself. So even though there's 317 Proverbs, you can, you can group them into these three areas. Man and God, man and others, man with himself. Okay? So, and then when you get to chapters 22 through, or about halfway through 22 to chapter 24, this is a compilation of wise sayings from Solomon, but others that were influenced by Solomon. Okay? And so then, and then chapters 25 through 29 are more proverbs from Solomon, but they weren't really gathered together by Solomon. They were gathered together by someone else. And that someone else was King Hezekiah hundreds of years later. At the same time when they were looking around and buying all the stuff in the temple. Hey, this is, what's this law stuff? Oh my gosh. You know, Hezekiah was like, he found a bunch of writings of Solomon. So he combined them and added it to the book. So from 900 to about 600 B.C., this book has been put together, grabbed together. And then the last two chapters of Proverbs are two other guys Chapter 30 is done by a guy by the name of Azur, a very wise man. And so those are included in the book of Proverbs. Now, the Hebrew title, to we call it Proverbs, they call it Proverbs of Solomon. That doesn't mean they were all written by Solomon, but that's what the Hebrews call it. So that's why the English version just says Proverbs. And then we have Proverbs chapter 31... And that is written by a book, by a name, by a man of Lemuel. But it's basically directed toward women. Wisdom is for women. Okay? Now, many scholars might think that because it's about women, and there was a, well, why should we talk about, you know, why should women have any knowledge? I don't believe that. But this may be a pseudonym for actually Solomon writing under a pseudonym. Okay? But Lemuel, so Proverbs 31 is that final chapter. Interesting, when, if you've ever got, well, gosh, how am I, what am I going to read in the Bible? When I was first starting out, when I first rededicated my life to Jesus, I just, where am I going to start? What am I, I mean, what am I going to read? And um, Pastor Don, years ago, told me, hey, what's today? Well, Today's the 29th. Read Proverbs 29. Because there's 31 chapters. At least sometimes most months have 30 or 31. And you can just go. 
And, and it was amazing to do that for months at a time, to, to go through that. And I, I really enjoyed that. Now, don't do it now because we have the book. We have the schedule. So do that this time. But anyway, um, that's... Okay, interesting. You know, the word Proverbs, do, do you know what it means? Where we get the word? It means to be like. You need to be like. That's what this is encouraging you to do. The words of Psalm here is to be like. Like who? Like God. If you want to be like a son of God or someone who is an heir, these things will help. And the way it's written, most of the Proverbs are written in such a way what we call parallelism 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 finally got it right the third time parallelism meaning you have truth and you ha- you line up truth with next to another truth to be able to compare or contrast or to make better understanding so sometimes the proverbs will do something that compares something good with something bad so you can see which way is the good way, which way is the bad way. Sometimes there's an assumption there that you know which is the good way. Okay? And then there's other ones where you have, you have something that's you, some truth, and it's the same truth up to it, but it expands it a little bit more to give you greater understanding. Okay? So I'm, I'm going to give you a couple examples of this just to show this. Okay? So let's look at this. So Proverbs 17.21. Turn to Proverbs 17.21. Solomon says this. To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. Okay? So the, the first truth, to have a fool for a child brings grief. Okay? And then aligned with a parallel truth, there is no joy for the parent of of a godless fool. Okay? That's a parallelism that is truth, truth. All right? Here's a, here's a, and then we go just to the very next verse, 1722. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. This is an opposite. In comparison, the two truths are put up, but they're in opposite end. Cheerful heart is good medicine, you know? But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Do you you see the differences that help you with? Okay, the idea of Proverbs that is written for you is this is something that you are supposed to read and meditate on. Contemplate. This is something for you to look at, to think about, and apply it to your life. And you can go through a bunch of narrative, you can go a bunch of history, and, okay, these pithy sayings are ones that are founded on truth and something for you to look and put into your heart. Okay? And it's supposed to be driving you to action. All right? So... When you're 
having some grief, some trouble, hey, maybe I need to work on having joy in my life rather than just being crushed bones. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? That's just an example. But it's something worth pursuing. And so, um, I guarantee you, Proverbs, as we get through it this time, together as a church, this is something, and I know you may say, oh, I, you know, I usually read mine at night. This is something you need to read in the morning. Whatever we're supposed to read for that particular night, read in the morning. And start contemplating it and think about it. I guarantee you, as I'm standing here, something that you've read in that morning will come up during the day. You go, oh, I was just reading something about that in the Bible. I mean, it's amazing how often that happens, but especially with Proverbs. Because it will have a wide variety of different things, and you go, gotcha. And talk about it solidifying into your heart, and to do it, this is something that you have to practice. This is a discipline. So for the next month, this is something for you to discipline yourself in pursuing the wisdom of God. Okay? Next book that we're going to be reading this fall is Ecclesiastes. And I could, can I just say, a few years ago, Jeremy and I started a sermon series on Ecclesiastes. And we got close to the holidays and we said, well, Ecclesiastes is a little tough on the holidays. So we stopped. And we never finished the book. And I still have a couple people come to me. Are we ever going to finish Ecclesiastes? We're going to finish it now. It's going to be awesome. So I'm excited about that. So Ecclesiastes is another interesting book. Ecclesiastes, as, as Solomon is contemplating, is looking, he gives an example of what he's doing. Okay, this guy has all the wisdom. He has all the wealth. And he's got time on his hands. So for the first part of Ecclesiastes, he puts down the different ways he tried to live life. And then with all the riches, he did all, he's got whatever he could with his riches. When he was pursuing um, pleasure, he did all the things that a person could do for pleasure. Okay? And then he, he did projects and he did all kinds of crazy building, all kinds of schemes, doing business ventures and everything. And then he laid around for a while, see what it's like to be a lazy sluggard. I mean, he tried, it seems like his whole life was an ex- experiment in living. Okay? He had the time, he had the money, and he had the wisdom to do it. And he looked through all of it. So, the first six chapters in Ecclesiastes is Solomon investigating life. And then chapters 7 through early part of chapter 12 is Solomon's conclusions of what he's discovered about how you live your life these different ways. Okay? And then at the end of chapter 12 you have Solomon's final advice. Listen, when you read Ecclesiastes, there'll be two key phrases or words that you will need to look at and you will need to know what it means. Depending on the version which you are 
One is vanity. The word vanity. And vanity is said 37 times in 12 short chapters. Okay? And Solomon is expressing the futile attempt to be satisfied apart from God. If you're trying to be satisfied in life, have a fulfilled life, but you leave God out of it, Solomon will tell you it's vanity, or it's meaningless, or it's worthless. That's what he'll tell you. And he goes on it with length. The other one is the phrase, the chasing of the wind. Chasing of the wind. And that's at least nine times. I forgot to take a count of that, so I went through my Bible really quick this morning, came up with nine, at least nine times. This is chasing of the wind. How many of you tried to chase the wind? How many have caught the wind? Yeah. And it's something you can't do. You, if, if you chase it, you're never going to catch it. And these, again, it's a, it's a feeling of meanness, meaninglessness. It's, um, it's spending time for no real good reason. Uh, like video games. I mean, sure, okay, you, you reach a really high level in a video game, you go, okay, what did that get me? Uh, nothing. I just spent two hours for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Those of you who play video games, I'm sorry. But it's true. All right. And so then... And then Solomon, I think this is toward the end of his life, I think he comes up with the final conclusion. And so, if you haven't read Ecclesiastes, plug your ears because I'm going to tell you the final story. I'm going to give you the ending. Okay? And this is what Solomon says. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collective sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Who's that one shepherd? Hmm. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study wearies the body. From someone who's done a lot of reading, a lot of study, it does worry the body. It has some benefit. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. This is Ecclesiastes 12, 11 through 14, by the way. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. He comes to the conclusion that all this other stuff is vanity, meaningless. Serve God, fear God, keep his commandments. Huh. And then... In the end of October, we are going to, toward the end of October, we're going to dive for a week in the Songs of Solomon. Okay? Song of Solomon. Now, some of your Bibles might say Song of Solomon. Some will say Song of Songs. Okay? Same book. The thing about, the reason why it's Song of Songs is because that's actually the very first line translated two words in the Hebrew, verse 1. Just two words. Songs of Solomon. It's like, and just like Holy of Holies or King of Kings, this is the Song of Songs, I meaning it's, it's the best. 
It's the best of all that Solomon wrote. And we know that he wrote over a thousand songs. This may have been the time when he was really had a lot of time in his hand. Let's write some songs. And he, this was the best one that came. That in most people's estimation, this was the best song of songs. Okay? And so, and it's basically, it's a song, but it's more like a musical. And the reason why it's a musical is because it's more than one person singing. And it's not a duet, because then you have other people singing in it. It's, it's like a big musical. And, it, and it's all about the courtship, if you will, of Solomon with his bride. So you have basically the courtship, the marriage, and then the after marriage. Okay? We call it the honeymoon, right? So Song of Songs, Song of Solomon is about a year to two years in length. No more than two. But how we know this is because there is mention of all kinds of different places within Solomon's kingship, kingdom. And so, I'm looking forward to this. It's been forever. I've got a map for you. All right. Woo! So, do I have a map? I don't have a map. I mean, I have a map. That's right here. No. Anyway, so... Dang it. All right. But there are all kinds of places with which... Yay! Okay, good. Sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up back there. All right. So if you look... Okay, first of all, leave that up. But if you look at some of the verses, okay, there's some question of who is the first wife of Solomon. Okay? Some say, oh, it was the daughter of Pharaoh. There's not really much evidence from that in the Bible. But the maiden here is supposedly from a town called Shunem. Okay? And Shunem is in the Jezreel Valley up here in this area right here. There's a valley here through. There's a place called Shunem. And so she was a Shulamite. That's her name. Okay? Who was that? We know of one particular woman during this time who was a virgin who took care of David through the latter years of his life, Abishag. Okay? What a name. I think everyone should name their daughter Abishag. That's cool. I love that name. Anyway, um, anyway Abishag was a virgin. And, so, and one of the contentions of Solomon's brother is that he wanted to take Abishag as his wife and it ends up getting his his brother killed. And so Solomon becomes king. Alright? So in my humble, I think it's Abishag. And I think Solomon took the time to pursue her. And so there are at least twenty different places in just the Song of Solomon where it shows where he's at. So up here in Mount Seir, which is up here, uh, we find uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Mount Amana, Mount Hermon, Damascus, found in verse 7. Mount Carmel, verse, uh, chapter 7. Mount Gilead, chapter 4. 
in Gedi, way down here by the Dead Sea, chapter 1. The mountains of Bather, down out here in this area. All right. Needless to say, Solomon chased her all over, okay? And he caught her. And it's blessed by God. And so, it's a story of a relationship between God, a man, and a woman. It's a beautiful story. Now, you can get all kinds of stuff, people looking at the Song of Solomon and say, well, it's an allegory of, of God's love for Israel. Okay. I mean, that may be part of it. But if you get allegorized it, you forget the whole idea. There was actually a guy named Solomon. There was actually his wife that he married. And people rejoiced because of the wedding. Much like the, I mean, we have a couple come up and announce that they're going to get married. And we're all like, woohoo! I mean, it's just something, there's this joy about it. You get to know these people and you go, gosh, it would be neat if they got together and got married. Oh, guess what they did? Yay! Does that mean their life is going to be easy and great? No! But you know what? Something can be blessed by God. And I, that's exciting. And that's good stuff. So don't get lost in the allegory of stuff. But I do want to caution you. Because the Song of Solomon has been interpreted for the English in different ways in the Bible. Okay? So let me shake your faith for a few seconds. So let's look at um, the NIV's version of the Song of Songs. There are characters in there, and they're basically three main characters. There's she, he, and friends. When the Shunammite talks, when the, the, the woman talks, the virgin, the bride talks, in the NIV, she's known as she. Okay? When the king or the, the beloved speaks, it's he. And then when anybody else speaks, sings, it's friends. Okay? So, just an example. Let's look for, let's look at Song of Songs in the New Testament, uh, verse 1-2. It says, She, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Girls, you need to practice that on your guys. Quote some scripture. Yeah, baby. He may not chase you around the country, but he might chase you around the house. Just saying. All right. Know your scripture. <laughs> All right. And then, and then um, if, if we just keep going down in chapter 1, verse 9, he, 9 through 11, this is Solomon speaking to his bride. I liken you, my darling... To a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Don't call your your <laughs> wife a horse. That may not translate well. I mean, unless you're a cowboy, then you're like, yeah, you're like a Philly. Oh, anyway, okay, but your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. Now, all of this is attributed to Solomon speaking to his bride. 
Now let's go to the New King James Version. The New King James Version is known as the Shulamite. This is, the, this is the, still the girl talking. It's not a she, it's she, but they name her as Shulamite because there's internal evidence within the book that she's from Shulam. Okay? Let me kiss, let me kiss, let him kiss me with the kiss of my mouth, for your love is better than wine. Okay? Very similar. And then we go down to verse 9, where Solomon is speaking. This is known as the beloved who is speaking. And he says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. And then it changes that the friends, or in the New King James, the daughters of Jerusalem, that say, we will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. It's not Solomon saying that. So are you wrecked? Oh my gosh, that's so different. No, it's not. Listen, who is saying it is determined by the interpreter. But the words of scriptures didn't change. Just so you know that. I mean, there's time people, oh, you see all the different interpretations of changes. But the words are the same. Who who cares who says it? The girl's getting new earrings. That's awesome. I'm excited about it. And so, guys... This is going to be a fun-filled couple of months as we dive into stuff that we don't normally dive into. Husbands and wives, this is the embodiment of a right relationship of God with a man and a woman. I think you should use this time to speak these words to one another. Who knows? Maybe we'll have some more kids by November. What the heck? Or, I mean, I mean, saying they're pregnant, not saying. I know it takes nine months. I've done my, I've done my stuff. What the heck? What's wrong with you people? Ah, anyway, so, Proverbs, good stuff. Ecclesiastes, humbling stuff. Okay? Song of Songs, we're going to talk about love. Hey, that's good stuff. You guys ready to do it? You guys ready to leave? It's 12.06. I went long. I got to use a map. I mean, I'm happy. I'm going to have a great nap this afternoon. I mean, it's awesome. All right. So let me pray for you. Let you guys stand. Look at one another. Say, gosh, I'm glad you're here. Because I'm glad you're here. Father God, we come before you. Thank you so much for this time that we can, we can use to... Uh, be introduced to three more books as we dive into your word. Uh, Lord God, you are an amazing God. Your word continually gives over and over and over. So Lord, as we pursue this and we, we pursue you by pursuing your word, help us, guide us. Help us use these words in our daily life. Help us to be wiser as we intend to be more like you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.